This is Crossroads with Clayton King. Welcome back to part two of a message I started last time called More Than Words. This was a message I preached last year in Gatlinburg, Tennessee at our Crossroads Winter Conference. And the conference is filling up right now with teenagers from all across the the East Coast. Hope that you'll get a chance to come one day, but if you don't, you get to vicariously be a part of it right now. We're gonna learn how your works are not enough to save you. That's what Jesus said. You can't work your way into the kingdom of God. And here's the good news, you don't have to. Jesus did all the work on the cross when he shed his blood to take away your sin. So let's get ready to learn and let God change us right now through the scripture. Words are not enough. You cannot talk your way into heaven. Many will come to me in that day and they're gonna say a couple of things. I I prophesied in your name. In other words, I preached. Uh, I did miracles in your name. I cast out demons in your name. And the only thing that these people, and maybe some of you are gonna be in this in this group. I hope not. That's why I'm preaching this message today. So that you don't find yourself standing before Jesus on judgment day thinking you can talk yourself into heaven. You can't. You can't talk yourself into the kingdom of God. That's the warning. Words are not enough. Number two, works are not enough. You can't work your way into heaven. And what do I mean by works? I'm talking about good deeds. I'm talking about all the good things that we do. You can't work your way through the pearly gates. At my church, we have volunteers. And we encourage people to volunteer at our church. And every Sunday at our church, we have a lot of people that come and volunteer. They don't get paid. They, they do a good work. That's not a bad thing. Some of you volunteer. Maybe you volunteer in your community. Maybe you volunteer with Samaritan's Purse to fill shoe boxes every year for Christmas. I've done that. That's a good work, and you should do that. Maybe some of you volunteer in recovery ministry. I've got a brother who's a drug addict, my, my only brother. I've got half-brothers and half-sisters from my, from my biological family. But my brother that I was raised with is a drug addict. And I pray for him every day. And I have volunteered my time. My wife, my son, we volunteered before in recovery ministry, maybe with people who are struggling with addiction. Maybe you volunteer and you do good works at a soup kitchen or a food bank. That's good. You should do that. You should volunteer to do that. My home church is here, the church I grew up in as a kid, Crossroads Baptist Church from Simpsonville. There you guys are. And I can remember when I was a little kid growing up at Crossroads, we had a thing called RAs, Royal Ambassadors. If you're from a Baptist church, you may have heard of that. And we used to volunteer. And a couple of times a year on Saturdays, a group of men would take all of us boys and we would go paint someone's house or we would build a a handicap ramp up to a house because a woman had fallen and broken her hip and she couldn't walk. And, And we would go volunteer. I remember one time, there was this old couple and they had, a stu- they had a fireplace in their house and we volunteered to go split firewood and we hauled truckloads of firewood to their house so they would have fire and, and they would be warm in the wintertime. Those are all good things and you should do that. It's good to do good works, but you need to hear Jesus' warning here that your works won't save you. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, 
How do I know if I'm saved? Because I want my good works to outweigh my bad works. This is actually good news. This is actually something that should make you feel free and liberated. Because if you could be saved, if you could like earn your way into heaven, how much would you have to do? How many straight A's would you have to make? What's the magic number of sins you commit that if you cross that number, now you're going to hell? And what's the magic number of good deeds you have to do that if you hit that number, now you're into heaven? Is it like a quota? Is it 20 good works a month? Is it 500 good works a year? Is it 10,000 good works over the course of your whole entire life? Can you imagine how insane it would drive you, how crazy you'd go if you had to keep up with every single sin you committed and every single good work you do and you're always trying to do the math in your head by thinking, oh, well, today, uh, okay, God, I'm sorry. This morning I cheated on an algebra test. So I think in order to like balance that out, I'll go like rescue a puppy from the shelter that was about to be like euthanized. And maybe somehow that'll like balance it out. Guys, that is Hinduism. That's not Christianity. Christianity says that your bad works do not condemn you and your good works do not save you. Your sin can be forgiven by Jesus' good works. So you can't work your way into heaven because Jesus already did the work that you could never do. I've been to India seven times. I think Shari's been with me four or five times. And uh, y'all have probably seen a picture You'd know it if you saw it, of one of the seven wonders of the world. It's called the Taj Mahal. It's this big, beautiful, white marble construction. And it is absolutely breathtaking. It sits right on the bank of a river. It's got these four beautiful marble towers. It's got this beautiful shaped dome. This building was built by one of the Rajas of India, a king of India, and he built it for his wife. He built it so that she would have this beautiful construction that belonged to her and that when she died, she would be buried in the Taj Mahal. And he was gonna build another one for himself, a white one for her and a black one for him. But it took, now get this, this is gonna blow your mind. It was such a beautiful building. It took 20,000 men, 22 years to build it. 20,000 men worked around the clock for 20 years to build the Taj Mahal. And when it was completed, the king had all of the engineers, the men that constructed it, the men that drew up the plans, he had their eyes plucked out and their fingers or their hands cut off so that they could never repeat it again. He didn't want one of his rival kings to hire one of the engineers to recreate the Taj Mahal. But before the king could build his Taj Mahal for himself to match his wife's beautiful building, he died. And the second Taj Mahal was never constructed. I've been to the first one. I've been inside the first one. I've been to the tomb 
where the body of the queen has been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And as I'm in the Taj Mahal with Shari a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago now, I could not believe how much work those men put into that amazing building. But every single one of those men is dead now. The woman it was built for is dead now. The king that commissioned it and paid for it is dead now. And their works will not get them into heaven. 22,000 men, 20 years of work, and none of those works impresses God. You can't work your way into heaven. But instead of letting that freak you out, flip it around. Let that encourage you that God loves you so much, he knows you can't be perfect, so he sent his son Jesus to be perfect for you. He sent his son Jesus to keep every rule that you and I have ever broken. He sent his son Jesus to take the punishment for every law I've ever broken and every sin you've ever committed. And that's what the cross is about. That's why we wear crosses. That's why we put crosses in our churches. That's why we sing about the cross. Because when Jesus hung on the cross, his hands and his feet were nailed to that tree and that was punishment, not for his sin, because Jesus never sinned. It was punishment for our sin. Jesus loved us enough to take the punishment we deserved. I'm glad that my works can't save me. It takes the pressure off of me of trying to live a perfect life and hoping I just get in somehow. Your works aren't enough. One, one more thing here that Jesus talks about. Wonders aren't enough. Here's what Jesus says here. I want to read it to you again. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, so that shows you that your words are not enough. They will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do miracles in your name? That's some pretty good work right there. Like if you've got the power to drive out demons, if you can stand up on a stage and preach and prophesy to people, that's, that's pretty impressive work. But Jesus says that's not enough. But notice this, the third thing. These are wonders. These are miracles. These are things that not your everyday average common ordinary person can do. Can you drive out a demon? People ask me all the time, Clayton, do you believe in demons? Everybody look at me. I absolutely believe in demons. And you should too. They're at work in your world right now. I believe in Satan. Do you know why I believe in Satan? There's only two reasons I believe in the devil. And there's only two reasons I believe in demons. And here are the two reasons. Because Jesus believed in them and the Bible teaches them. That's why I believe in the devil. That's why I believe in demons. Jesus talked about demons. Jesus talked about the devil. Jesus spoke with Satan because Satan tempted Jesus for when he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. The devil came to Satan, Satan came to Jesus and tempted him three times. Maybe more than three, but we know of three of them because that's what the gospels record. And so demons are real and they're at work in our world and they will lie to you and they will deceive you and they'll put thoughts in your head. And if you open your life up, 
the devil will try to take control of your life. And if you don't know Jesus, here's a warning, and it's my job to tell you all this. If you don't know Jesus, if you reject the gospel, if you refuse to repent of your sin, and you're saying, I don't want Jesus to control my life, then you're opening your life up for Satan to control your life. Satan is not neutral. The devil is not just kind of hanging out, hoping you ruin your life on your own. Jesus described the devil like this. He is a thief who has come to kill and steal and destroy. I had a conversation just recently with someone in another state, not, the, not where I live, but in another state, who told me that as a teenager a few years ago, as a 19-year-old teenager, that they decided, well, earlier than that, they began to hear people tell them, you know, you may not be the gender that you were born. You were born a guy, but if you want to be a girl, you can be a girl. And this was their testimony to me. I believed everything that I read and I believed everything I was told. And I had my body surgically altered and changed because I wanted to become a different gender than the one I was born. And here I am now, years later, telling you, Clayton, two things. Number one, I regret it. I listened to the enemy deceive me by telling me that God made me in a way that I shouldn't have been born. And I mutilated my own body and I paid people to do it. And I regret it. But the second thing I wanna tell you, Clayton, and this was their testimony to me. The second thing I wanna tell you is, I have given my life to Jesus. He has forgiven me. I'm not perfect, but I have joy. And even though I regret letting the devil distract me and lie to me and deceive me, I now have a testimony and a story to tell people of how Jesus has given me my life back. Jesus has given me mercy. Jesus has given me grace. Jesus has forgiven me. And Clayton, you can tell my story everywhere you go because I don't want other people to be deceived like I was. This is the good news of the gospel. That no matter what you've done, Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will love you. Jesus will change you. Jesus will make you new. Satan wants to destroy you and Satan can counterfeit miracles. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. These people have three miracles that they're stacking up as they get to heaven at the pearly gates on judgment day. They wanna get into heaven. And so Jesus says, uh, the miracles you performed, they're not enough. You've got some wonders in your life, big deal. Wonders aren't enough. I hope this message gives you a taste of what it feels like to be in the room at Crossroads Winter Conference with about 2,000 teenagers from all over the East Coast. Hey, you might be a youth pastor and you're looking for an event to take your students to. Maybe you're a mom or a dad and you've got teenagers or maybe you're a student yourself and you'd like to attend this special event. I wanna invite you to come and be a part of it. This coming January, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, it's January the 12th through the 15th, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Come and be a part of this with us. Go to our website, very simple, crossroadswinterconference.com. The prices are there, location, all the details, crossroadswinterconference.com. We have seen God do miracles over the last 26 years, and this year it's gonna be amazing. 
Come and join us at Crossroads Winter Conference in Gatlinburg. And now, back to the message. In my life, I've, been, I've seen some crazy stuff. I've been to 54 countries now. I've seen some things. Don't have time to tell you about them, but I have, um, I've been in the presence of witches, warlocks, witch doctors in Jamaica. Shari was on a mission trip one time, I believe, to Poland where someone had put a curse on their team and that curse began to manifest itself in real ways and they had to pray against it because Jesus and Satan are not equals. They don't have equal power. Satan is subordinate to Jesus. Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Satan is a complete loser who poses like he has the power that God has. And Jesus is saying here, just because you felt the presence of God, just because you have felt the Spirit in a worship service, just because you've seen miracles, maybe you even think you've performed them. That's not enough. That won't get you into heaven. Wonders aren't enough. Here's, here's how I'd say that just in regular terms. You can't impress your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't talk your way into heaven. You can't impress Jesus so that he'll let you into heaven. So how do you get in? How do you? Remember I told you Jesus wants to make sure that we not just hear the warning, but that we hear the promise. So here's how you become a Christian. Here's how you know you're saved. Here's the way that every one of you guys and girls, that some of you lay in your bed at night and you wonder if you're, going to heaven or hell when you die? You wonder if you've prayed the sinner's prayer the right way? You wonder, okay, I think I'm a Christian, but I haven't been baptized yet. Am I gonna go to heaven? Uh, you wonder, well, if I was a Christian, would I think like that? Would I talk like that? And so many of you have had so many questions. Jesus wants to bring clarity where you've had questions. And here's how Jesus brings clarity. If you're words are not enough, if your works are not enough, if your wonders are not enough, what's enough? The will of the Father is enough. That's enough. That will do it. That's the answer. The will of the Father. And what is the will of the Father? That's the real question, right? What is the will of the Father? Jesus says it right here in the Scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's God's will then? 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us. This is the will of the Father. I want you to read it. I want you to see it. I want you to let this sink into your heart. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. You know what God's will is for you? That you're saved. God's will for you, that you repent of your sin. You know what, like I'm 50 years old, I still wanna know what God's will is for my life. What is God's will for my life? That I know Jesus, that I follow Jesus, that I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to save me. That is the will of God for you. I told you, God is not angry with you. He loves you. 
Both of my boys are in this room right now. Shari and I love our kids more than almost anything in the universe except Jesus. You know what my will is for my boys? The same thing your parents want for you. They, your parents want you to live a good life. They want you to experience joy. Your parents want you to be happy. They want you to be productive. Your parents want you to have a purpose in life worth living for. That's why your parents instruct you. Get up out of the bed. You gotta go to school. That's why your parents make you do things you don't wanna do. Clean your room. Take out the trash. Do the laundry. Fold your clothes. Do the dishes. Vacuum the house. Why are your parents doing those things for you? Their will for you. Look, look. Your parents' will for you is not just that you clean your room. Your parents' will for your life is that you grow up to be a godly man or a godly woman. And they know that cleaning your room when you're 13 is a way to get you there. We knew for our boys, we want them to grow up to be men of God that love Jesus and have integrity and character. So when they were little, we made them do some things because we knew that one day they would have to decide for themselves, am I gonna follow Jesus? The will of the Father is like that. It's not that God just wants you to stop sinning. Yes, He does. It's not just that God wants you to practice purity and pursue righteousness. Yeah, that's what God wants for you. But the ultimate will, His bigger will, His, His eternal will for you is that you know Jesus and that you worship Jesus and that you have a relationship with Jesus. His will for you is that you repent of your sin and let Jesus save you. That's what God wants for you. He doesn't wanna send you to hell. He doesn't wanna punish you for your sin. If you go to hell, it's because you reject His love. And if I'm punished for my sin, it's because I reject His love. Guys, here's what I'm asking you to do today. Don't reject His love. It's right here, right now, and it's available to you. Don't resist His love. You know, I just believe that as I've been preaching this message and you've been listening to it, that God has been speaking to you. And maybe what you need to hear right now is just how much God loves you and how desperately God wants a relationship with you. Don't walk away from that. Don't reject that gift of grace. God sent me through this teaching podcast to tell you that he loved you so much. He gave his life. He died on the cross to take away your guilt, your shame, the regret from your past. And he doesn't want to shame you. He just wants to change you. That's what God wants. And he can. He can change your life and he can give you eternity, the promise of heaven, if you'll simply believe Give your life to Jesus right now if you have never trusted him. Or maybe you're unsure, you're uncertain. Here's the way you can find certainty. Just ask Christ to come into your life right now. Pray this to Jesus right where you are, sitting in the coffee shop, working out at the gym, driving down the road in your car. I believe God placed you right here at this teaching podcast so that you could understand how to be saved. Now it's time for you to actually take a step of faith. So pray this to Jesus, out loud or in your heart. The prayer doesn't save you, but Jesus does. Just say this to him because he's listening. Jesus, will you save me right now? Will you give me your grace? 
I trust you with all of my heart and I invite you into my life. I give you control. I give you my future. I give you my eternity. I believe in you, Jesus. And as I repent of my sin, I believe that you have forgiven me. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer to Jesus and you meant what you said, we would love to hear from you. Go to our website, claytonking.com and send us an email so that we can pray for you in your new relationship with Jesus. And then we pray that you'd find a good Bible-believing church where you can get plugged in, become a disciple and be baptized. Thanks for listening tonight. I pray to God that you grow in faith and in discipleship. We'll see you next time on our teaching podcast. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at claytonking.com.